Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. So everything's normal. So you fly and you go up, you go up, you go up, you go up to 14,000 feet and you notice there's a, a, a light. It's red and it's yellow and green, right? So right now the light's red. So then you start thinking at some point the light's going to go green, but you don't know what's going to happen, right? And you wait and it goes yellow and the light goes green and somebody opens the door. And in that moment, you realize you've never been in an airplane with the door open. <laughs> Terror, 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 right? So you go, and then, you know, if, you're, if you were smart, you sat in the back so you don't go first, right? <laughs> and then people start going out of the airplane. And you go, and the guy walks you up to the end of the thing, and you're standing, and your toes are on the edge, and you're looking out down to death. <laughs> And they say, on three. And they say, one, two. And he pushes you on two because people grab on three. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And you go, and you fall out of the airplane. And in one second, you realize that it's the most blissful experience of your life. You're flying. Right? It doesn't feel like falling, right? It's like the, you actually are kind of held a little bit by the wind, and then you start, and you, you start falling, you fall, and you, there's zero fear. You realize that the point of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear. The, the lesson for me was, why were you scared in your bed the night before? Why did you, what do you need that fear for? Just don't go. Why are you scared in your bed 16 hours before you jump? Why are you scared in the car? Why could you not enjoy breakfast? What, 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 what did you need? To, the fear is fear of what? You're nowhere even near the airplane. Everything up to the stepping out, there's actually no reason to be scared. It only just ruins your day. You're, you don't have to jump. And then in that moment, all of a sudden, where you should be terrified is the most blissful experience of your life. And God placed the best things in life on the other side of terror. On the other side of your maximum fear are all of the best things in life, you know. Well, good evening, and I want to echo the welcome that Jamie gave to you. And like, like she said, I was able to be a part of uh, launching, getting, getting Revive started, and that was Ten and a half years ago, and the reason I know that that was ten and a half years ago is my son turned ten and a half on Friday of last week. And you say, "Well, how do you know that he is ten and a half?" Because when you're ten and a half, you take you take notice of what your half birthdays are. And so last Friday, uh, he said, "Dad, I'm ten and a half. I'm ten and a half today." And so I thought about that, knowing that I was going to come and be able to preach at Revive. And I thought, "Man, Revive is ten and a half years old because Revive launched." the week that he was born. Busy week in our house that week. So we launched Revive and, and it was just amazing. But one of the things that kind of is so exciting to me is that if you would have told me then that 10 and a half years later that I'd be able to be here, 
uh, and that revive would still be a thing and I'd be able to be here and I would be able to share and be able to preach and be able to be a part of what God's doing. And revive, those of you who have been here and you're here quite some time, I need to say thank you because revive is what God's doing through you. And whether that's you in person, whether that's you online, God, God's, God's moving through you. And for those of you who might be here for the very first time, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And this is incredible uh, to, to be able to be a part of a night where there's two services. There was a service at 6 o'clock and now it's service at 7.30. When we started, we just had a service at 7.30. And so it's just amazing. So thank you, to be a par- uh, thank you for being a part of it. That clip that you saw there was this clip uh, that Pastor Amanda, another pastor on our staff, she she uh, got me onto it, and it was Will Smith talking about what fear taught him through skydiving for, ve- for the very first time. So I just got a quick poll. How many of you, uh, if, you're, if you're in uh, online, you can put it in the chat, uh, so say, I have. How many of you have, sky- have gone skydiving before? How many of you, see, I haven't, and it's one of the things I want to do more than anything else forever. Uh, I wanted to do it, never had the opportunity. Then I got married, and I said I wanted to go skydiving, and my wife said, absolutely not. You're not going skydiving. Uh, and now I think our kids are old enough where she's like, hey, if you want to go, no, no big deal, no, no big loss. How many of you are the people that say, uh, I would never, ever, ever jump out of, a, of, out of an airplane? How many of you, that, yeah, that's more people than not would never do it than people that would do it. But one of the things I love about that clip is Will Smith is talking about what he learned about fear in that process. And I, I don't know if you were able to pay attention to any of that or, or caught any of that. He talked about how there was this moment where he was going to step out of this airplane. And that moment was going to be a singular moment. But how much time he lost in anticipation of that moment, which is what fear does to us, right? You think about it. Think about all the things in life that you have encountered that you have been so fearful of. Maybe it's a conversation that you have to have with somebody. And you're like, you know what? I gotta tell this person this or I have to talk to this person about this. It's going to be a difficult conversation. And you spend the days, the weeks, maybe even the months that you have an anticipation of that conversation. You're so scared about how it's going to play out that you literally, you quit living for fear of what that's going to be like. I think about people who are experiencing really difficult seasons uh, in their life and, and they know that there's a test that's gonna come up. One of, one of my good friends, uh, his wife, it's, it's absolutely tragic. His wife is, she's literally dying of cancer right now. And one of the things that he has talked to me about is uh, one of the, the, the things that she's been able to do is that she always lives with this reality of living life with cancer, but she has all of these tests. Every couple of weeks, she does another test because she's at the end of stage four. She's been battling it for 10 years. Every few weeks, she has these tests. And one of the things that she says to him all the time is she's like, I'm not going to quit living because I'm scared of dying. I'm not going to live in such fear that I quit living because I know that there is something that's going to happen somewhere down the road, which that's what fear does to us, isn't it? Fear is this thing that happens that begins. Jesus says, why do you live in fear? Why do you worry about all these things? Don't you realize that by worrying all of these, about all these things, you're not literally adding a single moment to your life. In fact, you're losing life. But the thing that we got to do is we, we got to realize that there, there is an aspect to fear that's a part of all of our lives. 
This season that we have that we're leading up to the celebration of Easter, we've been doing this, season, this series called 40 Days of Renewal, where we've been taking these 40 days, you take the Sundays out, that's how you get 40 between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. We've been taking these 40 days and saying, God, what, what would you do with this season? We've been focusing on these passages in Scripture that illuminate this number 40. Now, 40 in Scripture signifies a time or a season of trial, of testing. You heard it in the Bible reading that for 40 days, Goliath is out in front of the Israelite army. But in this, we're saying, in these 40 days, God, how could you bring new life? And I don't know about you, but I know a lot of us can see a lot of places in our lives where we we need something to be rebirthed or or renewed. I mean, my goodness, we've been living with life with masks on for for a year now, it's March 11th. And March 11th of last year, I'll never forget it because I was thinking, we've, we'd been hearing about the pandemic, we've been hearing about all this, this whole thing about, thing called the coronavirus, but kind of, I, I, was, I was a little bit uh, oblivious to it, didn't think it would ever be anything like it is, like it has been. But it was March 11th, I'm a huge sports fan, I was watching uh, NBA and it was right before the Jazz, uh, Utah Jazz were gonna play. And there was a guy that played for the Utah Jazz, his name was Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert tested positive. And so right before the game was going to start, literally, the PA announcer says that there's going to be a delay to the game, and Rudy Gobert literally runs off the court, and nobody knows what's going on, and pretty soon both of the teams leave the court. And then they canceled, that night, they canceled the rest of the, or they postponed the rest of the NBA season. The day after, the Big Ten tournament was canceled. The, the day, a couple days after that, they postponed March Madness. The world halted a year ago. And I know next week at Revive, there's going to be an incredible celebration, not of the fact that we've had a pandemic, but a celebration of all the things that God has done through that. Because what we see is that even though we might be in a season of trial, of testing, that God, God always makes a way where it seems like there is no way. And so at, tonight we're going to look at what, how do we find renewal in the midst of our fears? Well, the first thing is, is to let's get an accurate definition of what, what fear is. Now, this is just a, a very surface level definition of fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the, a, the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or is a threat. Fear is, and it's important to know that, fear is an unpleasant emotion. Fear isn't physical. Now, it produces physical responses, physical reactions, but fear is an emotion. But it's also, no, also important to know that fear isn't always a bad thing, is it? I mean, you think about it. None of us would place our hands on a stove burner that was hot. Why? Because we have a healthy sense of fear of what would happen to us if we were to place our hand on something that was hot. There's a healthy fear to that. All of us have a healthy sense of fear that helps guide us through the lives that we're living. I mean, chances are, you, you, if, you were, if you're here in person, you probably got here uh, by means of a car, a vehicle. Either you drove or somebody else drove you. And there were precautions that you took while you were driving here to help keep you safe. You use your blinker out of fear that if I don't use my blinker, I might, I might have somebody run, run into me. I put my seatbelt on as a healthy sense of fear that if I were to get into an accident, if I'm not wearing my seatbelt, something bad 
could happen to me. When we cross the street, we, we, we look both ways. Fear, at its core, is something that helps. That God gave us, God gave us this response instinctively. It's called fight or flight. You have the ability, God has hardwired it into you. You have the ability in an instant to be able to determine when you have something that pops up into your life, whether you need to stand up and fight against it or whether you need to turn and, and, and flee away from it. Fight or flight response is something that, that has been a part of humanity from the very beginning. The problem is that when fear goes unchecked, when we have an unhealthy fear in our life, we apply fight or flight to things that don't, that don't warrant it. And then that fear, it, it, begins, it begins to get a hold of us. Fear may be a natural thing, but fear that's unchecked, fear that gets a little bit out of hand, fear that gets uh, to become to, to, into a place in our lives where it rules us is when it starts to take life for us. And I'd, I'd be willing to bet that most of us that are together this evening have one of those fears in our life right now. I'm not talking about this because I got the corner on the market because I have it figured out. Fear has been a part of my life in significant ways. There have been a couple times in my life where I have where I've dealt with anxiety and not just anxiety is like I've been kind of, kind of worried, no, but like anxiety, like talking to a counselor, counselor multiple times, being on medication. Some people will say like, well, why do you admit that so freely? Because I believe that we need to be able to talk about it. I believe that anxiety and depression, that they are silent killers in our lives. They steal life from us and so often they continue to because we're so scared what other people are going to think if we admit to them that we actually worry about things that might not seem rational. But this fear, it, it changed everything about how I was living and literally started not physically, but emotionally, taking life from me. And I had my own things that I was fearful of. Fear has a way of, because it's an emotion, it has a way of working itself out. For some of us, it, it is anxiety. It is depression. For others of us, it's It's anger. For others of us, fear works itself out in a way where we become disconnected, we become detached. We literally start to remove ourselves because we don't want to have to face the things that are going on in our lives, which is what's going on in this story that we encounter that was read for us just a few minutes ago. It's the story of David and Goliath. 
Chances are, if I asked you about, do you know the story of David and Goliath? Chances are most of you would say, yep, familiar with that story. Many of us know this story. We were taught this story that, that there was a guy by the name of David who was a shepherd boy. He was really young. He was really little. And then there was a giant, this huge guy by the name of Goliath. And, and David kills Goliath. And it's a really simple story. And it's a, it's a really elementary story. But there's so much depth to this story. So much we can learn from this story. Because the story is more than just the story about a guy by the name of David, a young man by the name of David, and, and this huge guy by the name of Goliath. This story has everything to do about how do, we, how do we deal with our fears. There were the Philistines. It was a group of people that were pressing in on the Israelites. The Israelites were God's people. They were people that God had given a promise to. They were people that God had set free from slavery in Egypt. We talked about that last week. And he had freed them into the promised land. And now God's people were living in the promised land. But now they're being pressed on all sides by all these people that want to take life. They want to overrule them. And they want to come in and they want to conquer them. And, and so they're living in fear. And, and so they, they become engaged in battle with this group of people called the Philistines. It takes place in the Valley of Allah. Five years ago, my wife Bridget and I were able to go to, uh, to Israel. We were able to visit. I remember, I remember standing in the middle of this valley and I took five small stones because I wanted to be able to have something that would, would represent this story because this story is a big part of my life. And I remember going up and we drove to, to one side of the valley and it was way up on the, the top of this embankment and I thought, well, this is probably where the Israelites were. And then, so then we drove down, we went to the other side of the valley and I, I stood there and I'm like, wow, this is where the Philistines were. I mean, this is a story that actually happened. But what was customary at the time is when, 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 when two uh, different sides were in opposition like that, oftentimes they would they would elect one soldier from each army and they would square off in battle as a way to not lose so many lives. So the Philistines have a guy by the name of Goliath who was a giant. And they send Goliath down into the valley and he stands in opposition and he, for 40 days, he starts, he starts to taunt them. And he starts to say to them, who, who are you going to say? You, you choose whomever you want to fight me face to face, one on one. And, and if he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you guys will become enslaved to me. And now they are riddled with fear. Because they don't see a way out of the place that they found themselves which is what our fears do to us, don't they? I mean, let's name our fear as a, a Goliath in our life and I wonder what it is for you. Fear has this way of, of, of doing things to us. You read through the story, it, it says that they were, they, they, were, they were in despair, that they were terrified. And the word, in the original language of the Old Testament, the, the word is, literally means that they had been shattered. That their idea of who they were and what was possible and, and what the outcome could be, it was literally shattered. It was broken. It was left in pieces. The impact of fear is, is our hope. 
the hope that we have, the way that we feel that our lives could be, the, 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 our, our fate, our destiny, whatever you want to name it or label it, we feel that that thing has been sealed because of what we are facing right here and right now. That's what fear, when it goes unchecked, when we have, when we have a skewed view, and it's not our fault, it's just what happens. Our hope is shattered. What does fear do to us? What robs us of being able to see the freedom that God has for us. God has created you and God has created me. Yes, to live lives that have boundaries, but those boundaries that God has for us are given out of love. So that we can live in freedom. Fear has a way of, of putting us into this prison where we don't see the way in which we could ever get out of it. We, we lose our identity. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are facing fears in the real things in their lives. And they'll start to use those things as labels to identify themselves. They'll say, oh, I'm just, a, I'm just an anxious person or I'm just an angry person or I'm just a, a real fearful person. No, you're not. You're not. That's not, that's, I don't, I do care. I very much care what your fears are, but they don't have the ability, nor should they have the capacity to tell you who you are. You are not an anxious person. You are a child of God who right now might be dealing with anxiety. You are not a depressed person. You are a child of God who might be dealing with depression right now. You are not an angry person. You are a child of God who might be dealing, wrestling, struggling with anger right now. But those things, hear me very clearly on this. They don't get to define you. I, I realized just on Monday, Monday was my birthday. I, was, I turned 44. I'm old now. I was just telling Jamie, I'm like, man, when I, when I was a part of starting Revive, I felt so young. I felt so cool. Now I have a 10 and a half year old and a daughter who turns nine on Saturday. I'm old. But I was... Uh, I was, in, uh, I was in my son's room the other night. And my son, his name is Trey. He is just like, he is an all-out kid. Like, he is outgoing. He's never met a stranger. If you ever see him around the, walls or the or halls of hope, and you've, you'll, you'll see him around, because he just never stops. Like, he's everywhere all the time. He's never met a stranger. He'll talk to everybody. And some other parents will say to us, man, he, just not, he must not have a fear in his life. And it was a, not too long ago, I was laying in his bed as he was getting ready to go to sleep. And he, he said to me, I'll never forget it. And it just broke my heart. He said, Dad, will I always be this way? Because he was facing a fear that now he started to wonder if that had become who he was. My goodness, No. Nobody, that's that's not that's not who you are. Fear has a way of threatening to tell us that 
that we're all that we're all alone. Now here's the thing that you guys do so well. Here's the thing I want to encourage you to continue to do so well is that life is meant to be lived in community. And I hope that you have people around you that take notice of you when you start living life alone. And I hope that you will take notice of the people around you when they start to remove themselves. Because oftentimes when we start to disconnect, there's something bigger that's going on. This is what was happening to the Israelites so long ago in a story that we might be threatened to think that doesn't have anything to do with our lives today but has everything to do because now we're going to meet David who's going to give us a model of a healthy way of facing our fears. Take a look. Will one of you fight me? Israelites, you win. And the Philistines will be your slaves. I win. And you will be our slaves. Someone must fight him. Not you, Jonathan. The warrior who defeats him will be a rich man. Not one man in Israel. Not one of God's people. I'll do it. David. You're no soldier, you're a shepherd. Yes, a shepherd. As I protect my sheep, God will protect me. Where is your faith? Where is your God? I will kill him. You'll need this. I'll be better without it. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. my time, little boy. You're too young to die. I will fight you!
So the question is, is from the story of David, what do we can learn about how do we fight our fears? First thing is you've got to know who you are. When David raised his hand to say, well, I'll fight him, everybody, everybody was so confused by it. They couldn't believe it. They, they, there were people in the ranks that had spent their entire uh, lives, careers, as, as being soldiers in, 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 in Saul's, the king at the time, Saul's army, who were trained to do these things. And all of these people, they couldn't imagine facing this incredible giant, this incredible fear that was in front of them, because they only saw who he was, but David saw not who Goliath was, but, but who David was. I mean, God had called David because David was a man after God's own heart. It was most definitely not his stature. It most definitely wasn't what he brought to the table, but David knew at the core of who he was, who he was. And we got to remember the same thing. Don't forget who you are. You have been created in the very image and the very likeness of God. And God will use whoever you are, wherever you are. David didn't just know who, who he was. He, I know it sounds cliche, but I don't think we can overstate it enough. I don't think we can say it enough that David also knew whose he was. David knew that he was God's and, and God was his. And David reflects on all the time as a shepherd that he had been in these precarious situations and, and God had rescued him from those moments and, and David had the audacity, he had the courage, he had the faith to see that if God had rescued him then that God would most certainly rescue him now. Which changed everything about the way that he would see the way that this battle was going to play out. Because if God had do it, done it then, why wouldn't God do it now? You see, the Israelites, the, the soldiers in that battle, they, they saw their future on what they could see, and David saw his future based on what God had done. And I wonder, I just wonder, if we started looking at our own lives through those lenses, how it would chase the way or how it would change the way we, we saw our fears. Look, I'm not going to minimize what the fears are because they're real. But who gets to be bigger? Who gets the upper hand? One of the things I loved about that depiction from the, the Bible series, it was on Netflix for a while. Now it's on Amazon Prime. You can, you can find it on YouTube. But I love the kind of like the, the, the editorial comment they put into David going from the back lines to the front lines. And did you hear what he was reciting as he was going to the front of the battle against Goliath? What was he reciting? He was reciting the 23rd Psalm, which was literally a psalm. Of David. Now, did David literally say those words as he was going through to the beginning or to, to, to the middle of the battle? I, I, don't, I don't know. 
But those words were words that David had written once upon a time. And maybe it was that time where David, as a shepherd, says, the Lord is my shepherd. He gives me everything that I need. He lets me lie down in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my soul. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when I face the greatest fears that this world could ever throw at me, even when I'm facing this giant by the name of Goliath, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I know that I'm not alone, that the Lord is with me, and he's with you. He's with me. These aren't some hollow words that David said once upon a time. These are true words that we can, be, that we can realize every single moment of every single day of our lives. That there isn't a fear that you are facing, that you face alone. Let me say that again. There isn't a fear that you could be facing that you face alone. Because God is with you. That's his promise for you. And so you don't have to fight it alone. The battle, it's not yours to fight. You got to know who the battle belongs to. David knew that God had created him, that God could send him, that God was with him, and that God would ultimately be the one who would declare the victory in the battle that David had found himself in. And it's the same for you and it's the same for me. The God who has seen us this far is the God who will see us through to the end. Wherever we are, whatever it is, that battle, that fear isn't one that you have to face, that you have to wage on your own. No, the battle belongs to Him. The future, my goodness. God does not see your life as something that is disposable. There's not a moment of your life that is disposable to the God who put breath in your lungs. And he is fighting with you. He is facing your fears with you. He reminds us that that his love is greater than our fears, no matter how great they can be. God's love is greater than our fears. Paul writes these words in the New Testament after he had had an encounter with Jesus Christ where God's love through Jesus Christ had awakened him into a whole new reality. And Paul says, what are we to say about such things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we 
face danger or we are destitute or we are threatened with death, the greatest things that we could ever fear, does it mean that God no longer loves us? No, Paul says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. For neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things above, nor things below, not our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell could ever separate us from the love of God that comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we proclaim it. We live it out. Like Will Smith's, we get ready to take the next step. Jesus had sent his followers out and he'd said, now go do these things. Go proclaim my message. And you can't imagine the amount of fear that they had, but they come back and they say, Jesus, even the demons obeyed us when we called upon your name. So revive wherever you are. I invite you to stand up. And before we sing about the name of Jesus, we're going to speak the name of Jesus into the fears that we have. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to leave a little bit of space. And I invite you into the quiet of your own soul to speak the fear that you have, that you need victory over. And then we'll say amen, and then we'll sing in Jesus' name. God, we thank you. We thank you for being a God who loves us, a God who's with us, a God who promises to see us through every step of the way. God, we acknowledge that there are fears that we have and that those fears are real. So God, we lift those things to you right now. God, we dare to trust that, God, you'll see us through. You'll see a victory in our lives. That, God, even those fears will go away in your beautiful, powerful name. Pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing and let's worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.